Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. That's right, boys and girls. You know where you are and you know who this is. This is Tyler Chef, and I am the host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast, if this is your first time here. Guys, this week, we got my partner, Mike Marino, with us on the air, and he's going to be talking to us. He's going to basically be walking us through, the two of us together, be walking through the home inspection we just had done on Seaport Inn, and now... Some of you listen, dude, I don't want to invest in Seaport in, man. I ain't giving you none of my money, whatever, yada, yada, yada. I get it. Listen, we had one of our investors come down to Key West recently, spent some time with us, and I reached out and asked him over dinner. I'm like, dude, what do you want to hear on the show? It's been 300 and some odd episodes. Uncle Tyro's getting a little tired. What kind of thing, what can I bring to the table to add more value to the Cashflow Guys podcast? And his response was, I want to see more boots on the ground, what you're doing, what with the stuff that you're getting into, how you're figuring stuff out where you get to the solutions to the problems that you run across. So that's what this episode's about, guys and girls. We're, we are under contract, for those of you in the back room and have been paying attention, we're under contract on a really nice guest house here in Key West, a little vacation rental, six apartments, great deal. We're headed off to the closing table. we got a lot of irons in the fire, right? We're, we've got inspections going on. we got appraisals happening. we got all kinds of good things happening. i got Mike running around like a crazy person out there in, in Colorado. Mike, you with us? Hey Tyler. Yeah, I'm up in Colorado where it's not as hot as it down as it is down there. I guess to wear flannel still. That's yeah, flannel. That's funny. We you can go ahead and try that next time you're in Key West. I can't wait. You'd probably actually fit in here because people are just that kind of different in Key West, that's for sure. But so we got this asset under contract. We got a lot of moving things, a lot of moving parts happening, a lot of irons in the fire. And we have another opportunity, another asset we're getting ready to put an offer in on right behind this one, which brings me to, if you guys, if you ever thought about investing in paradise, if you want to get your money moving and you're tired of the boring apartment deals and self-storage for God's sake, I mean, that's like watching paint dry. Let's be honest. Then you need to head over to keywestcashflow.com. Uh, you get over to keywestcashflow.com. Uh, you put it into a forward slash seaport, the word C, S-E-A-P-O-R-T, keywestcashflow.com forward slash seaport. That'll give you all the details on this deal. I'm doing town hall meetings where I'm driving around in the Jeep. I'm showing you guys the stuff. I did one in the daytime or nighttime last week. Probably going to do one during the day this week uh, So or next week. So we got all kinds of good stuff happening. We want you to be part of it. So if you want to get your money moving, your IRA, your your investment funds, your retirement fund, funds or whatever, and then you need to reach out and let me know. If we haven't talked to each other, then maybe we should because we got all kinds of opportunity. But that said, not for the commercial. Let's get down to it. So home inspection, right? Um, we needed to find a home inspector. I got lots of home inspector contacts in Tampa Bay. Mike knows that. Mike, remember we sold your house. Obviously, I didn't. we didn't need a home inspector. But in the case we needed someone to verify a home inspector's results, we had our backup plan, did we not? Yeah, we did. Yeah, you made the process real smooth because you already had a list of who can come out, their right. schedules. All that good stuff. So guys, when you're looking at home inspectors, there's lots of things to consider. I did a video on my Key West Living YouTube channel about how to pick a home inspector. And there's a lot of things that you want to consider. And the first one being, what really is their scope of knowledge? Now it's, you know, you can go out and get a license to do something. And now in most, I'm not saying that licenses are required to be a home inspector. In a lot of areas, there is no license. A lot of times there's some sort of training program that they, they should go through. They don't have to go through. Um, and that is completely dependent on the municipality in which you're going to buy a property. If you're in LA, there's a set of rules. If you're in Key West, there's a set of rules. So down here, they need to get an occupational license and, and have generally some sort of accreditation or certification or something like that. So with that said, I started the search over a year ago for a good quality home inspector. And like anything, like realtors, mortgage brokers, finding a good home inspector is is not not easy. It's not as simple as, you know, covering your eyes and 
playing pin the tail on the donkey and just picking one of the yellow pages. That's just not how it goes. So one day I'm sitting out on the front porch and I'm having my coffee and I'm reading my book on Key West history and old Byron comes shuffling up to the place next door to me um, over here at the golf course. And I got a little town home over here and it's all nice, but the neighbor's house sold. And no, I didn't sell it. I wasn't the realtor on it. I was, wasn't even really practicing it at the time. I was just kind of chilling out, reading a book. And Byron comes over and he introduces himself and he's obviously here for the neighbor's house, but I started talking to the guy. And, you know, you start being a pig. What's a pig? Professional information gatherer. And in that conversation, I discovered that he's a home inspector. He's there to inspect the neighbor's house and uh, had a really good conversation. He's an older gentleman. Mike, I know I kid you a lot. As pilots, Mike looks a lot younger than he is. He's he's not a young man anymore. He's got gray hair. He just hides it well. But um, he looks a lot younger than he is. So I always joke to Mike, it's like when I fly a plane, I don't like the young pilots in the cockpit. That scares the hell out of me. This isn't Top Gun. I want to see somebody old, not Bernie Sanders old or Joe Biden old, but, you know, somewhere looking a little, looking spry and like they have experience. I want to see like, what was that guy, Mike, Tom Hanks in the movie? What was it? Oh, Sully. Sully, Sully. Like Sully, right? They grade his hair a little bit. He kind of thin, good looking guy. He's got his act together. Yeah, that's that's got that experience look happening. So we start talking and I and I get to know the guy and I watch how methodical he is. And I didn't follow him around the inside the house, but just in conversation, you know, he's being real thorough and he knows what he's talking about. And I and he tells me, of course, he's a he's a licensed general contractor and he's been here in the keys for thirty plus years. That's a good sign because the keys uh, or a very unique housing market, right? Things are not the same across the country. What your house has issues your house may have in Fort Collins, Colorado is completely different from Key West, Florida or Tampa, Florida or wherever else you think it's so. So that happens. And I find out that he's a, he's a ex-contractor and a lot of folks are like, well, if he's an ex-contractor, then something must've gone wrong. And he's a, he washed out and he didn't make it as a contractor. No, he retired. He sold his business. Somebody paid him a fortune to buy his business. And then he was bored. He didn't want to retire. A lot of people are like that. I'm like that. I, we, Jill and I retired uh, once, and then it was like, well, shit, now what do we do, right? It's cool driving around the country, but we decided to move down to Key West and start selling stuff again and doing real estate because let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, the rent down here is no joke. I'm paying three grand a month for an apartment, a townhome that I'm not necessarily in love with, but uh, is what it is. So the guy's got a lot of experience. He's a general contractor, 35, 30 years plus experience in the keys. And I just put that in my back pocket. His business card basically is a three by five card. And Mike, you and you were here, you had mentioned, you noticed the card sitting on the, uh, um, uh, behind the magnet on the fridge. Oh yeah. And you, I remember you had asked me at that point, like, what are you hanging on to this guy's card for versus anybody else? And then that spawned that whole conversation we had about picking home inspectors, which, um, Led me to, we get Seaport under contract, Seaport in under contract. I need a home inspector. So the first thing I do is I call Byron and I'm going to try to see if I can talk Byron into coming in the podcast at some point because dude's got a lot of knowledge, man. I got a PhD in Key West real estate. I know a lot about old houses. I used to pick up and I used to flip old, old buildings and historical properties in the past. So that comes natural to me. And, you know, just when you think you know it all in a topic, boy, a guy like Byron comes along and shows you exactly what you don't know. So I got a really good education, but I called him and I said, Hey, Byron, of course he doesn't remember me. It's been a year. Don't expect him to. But, um, I asked him first, do you do historic homes in, in Key West and, you know, the big commercial buildings and guest houses? He says, absolutely. That's right at my ballpark. And guys, when it comes down to picking home inspectors, don't shop by price for the love of all that's holy. Please don't shop by price because there are guys out there that don't have anything else to do and they're pretty cheap to do home inspection. You can get a home inspection in the Tampa market. I know people that'll do it for 300 bucks. <laughs> now, I'm not 
necessarily suggesting you go hire the $300 home inspector because you may be unimpressed with the results. And you won't be unimpressed with the results on day one. It'll take about two years to simmer until something they overlooked becomes a real problem and then it's your real problem. And you can go back and sue the home inspector, but remember, he charges 300 bucks for what he does. He's already broke, so he's got nothing to give you. Even if you win, you get a big fat judgment that's not going to play well. So we talked to him, and I, and I talked to several other home inspectors. You know, it's been a year, and I've been interviewing contractors and home inspectors and all these people. Mike, we've got how many people we interviewed at this point uh, for Seaport. Yeah, you. every time I go down there, we're talking to somebody else yeah. who could possibly help us or know somebody who knows somebody. Right, right. The Bubba Network, as it says it, as it is, right. So we we get, but we decide. Mike and I put our heads together. We decide that we're going to bring Byron in because he's clearly the most qualified. Now the guys have been doing it a while, ten years, eight years, fifteen years, whatever. But Byron has it, what I call a teacher's heart, and he brings me along and shows me all the idiosyncrasies without making it a hair on fire big deal. And when he finds things, he lends that extensive experience to the situation to offer solutions, not to make me the buyer freak out. And that's exactly what he did. So we get, we start going through the house. We walk, we meet out front. First of all, it was uh last month, this past Monday morning, he shows up bright and early. And uh, the interesting thing, I don't know. Did I tell you this, Mike, about the termite tending? Oh, that, uh, they, that they do it every year. Yeah. So it's they're precautionary. Yeah. So they, they were there tenting for termites, which means one or two days of the year, they empty the building and they put up the tent and they treat it for termites just to make sure that they don't have any termite issues. And if they do, they can nip them in the bud because let's be honest, these every building in Key West, for the most part, the majority of them are made of wood. So we want to make sure they're you're ahead of the schedule on uh, getting things tented. So a lot of going on, a lot of moving parts. Uh, home inspector shows up and uh, the first thing out of his mouth is, he says, look up there. I'm looking up and he's like, the roof. I'm like, yep. He goes, lucky for you, it's new. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, 2019, here's the permit. So what he did was, see, he's thinking, he went to the city, went online, Pulled the whole permit history for the property. The whole permit history. Like since the, they recorded permits since the beginning of time. Before he showed up, he had all that? Oh, yeah. Shows up with all that stuff. And so he knows exactly what's going on as far as under the eyes of the city of, of uh, Key West with the property. Now, obviously, he doesn't have the history from, I don't know when the house was built, but maybe the 1800s or late, early 1900s because they didn't keep records from that that far back. But he had an experience extensive permit history, which is good. So right out of the gate, he wants to discuss those permits with me. And he insists that the seller is present. And I really enjoyed that. Now, a lot of you, you realtors are probably going, the buyer and the seller met. Oh my goodness. And the listing agent wasn't there. Well, that's because it's off market and we are direct to the seller. So, but the seller was there. I am there as the buyer representing my, uh, representing us in the investors. Uh, that's my job is boots on the ground here. I leverage my experience into that scenario. And he went through all of the th- scenarios that had gone on, every, everything that related to permitting, and asked the seller very direct questions. For example, so-and-so plumbing, I see two years ago, replaced the line, the sewer line going out to the, the curb. And he looks right at the seller and says, why was it replaced? He says, because if you own a property in Key West and you don't have a sewer line replaced, you're going to do it eventually. It's only a matter of one when. And we own guest houses all across the island, and we didn't want to have to have a problem at 2 o'clock in the morning. So because more and more sewer lines were failing in the city, we decided it would be a good idea to get in front of it and have it replaced with, with PVC. Well, that's a good answer, ladies and gentlemen. That's a great answer. So as we have the conversation, we keep talking. We're just He just is doing a great job of asking questions and asking questions and asking questions. 
So even though the roof is new, for all intents and purposes, it's a metal roof. And a metal roof essentially comes with a, a, a lifetime warranty, let's say. Uh, they Once you have mine, they're good to go. And he explained to me, even though I knew this, it doesn't matter whether I knew it or not. I And that's the thing, guys. If you... When you've got somebody that has a lot of experience that's explaining explaining something to you that you already know, do yourself and them a favor and shut the hell up. Don't say, I know. Don't tell them how you've been a broker for 30 years. They don't care. Because here's the thing. When somebody tries to teach you something and you shut them down, they're going to stop teaching you something, which means you're not going to walk away from that conversation any smarter, and that is a crime, especially when somebody your senior uh, tries to teach you something. So please don't be that person that goes, I know, I know. I, I flipped, I'm 21 and I flipped 244 properties. No, you haven't. You're a liar. Guys, I get these in my podcast requests all the time. I'm 25 and I and I got, I own 600 doors. And I'm like, you forgot the under management? Yeah, under management. That's under management, which means actually somebody else is calling all the shots. You just threw 50 grand in the bank in, into a fund. But that's a story for another day. So at that point, Guys, we start having a conversation about wanting to see if the roof is done properly. And just because and he explains to me, just because it has a new roof and it was closed, the permit's closed, it doesn't mean it was necessarily done properly. So he wants to look at the nail spacing, making sure that it's been properly installed, making sure there's no tree damage because it's two years old, even though it has essentially an unlimited life for the most part. We want to make sure that the everything is intact. Did a tree branch fall and rip some of the metal did an eave get broken is there wood rot showing in the eaves so he starts walking around and explaining this whole thing to me all right so we're looking at the roof look at the nail spacings immediately we go downstairs and we start looking up because that's the other way to look at a roof guys a lot of home inspectors don't look up they look down at the roof or they get on a ladder or whatnot and they don't really look at the underside the underlayment now in this case uh, this one has uh, the roof extends over the side of the house so there's eaves and you know you need to look at all those eaves and make sure there's no wood rot or things like that. So the seller was up there, the home inspector yourself. So did you find any wood rot, termite damage, or anything up there? No termite damage in the back porch on the first floor. There's like a uh, I'll call it an added roof that was added after the fact. Um, there's some wood rot right there in the end, but the uh, the seller has done a ton of work on this property over the years, so not a big deal. You know, it's something I could have a roofer come do in a case of an afternoon so nothing to get excited about all right so the, the roof looked good the eaves look good so below that obviously is the the second floor so this is a two-story uh sixplex so i assume two-ish right because it does two. have that tree shop apartment oh that's true that's true yeah so part of the attic was kind of converted into another unit up there it's actually pretty nice right. pretty cozy up there so i'd assume that's where you guys went next yep um right up there because we want to see the underside of the ceiling uh, now this one does not have an attic because they converted what used to be the attic into the, I call it the treetop apartment, right? So what you're seeing really is the the, the roof tr trusses right underneath in that apartment. And it's all sheetrocked and all that, but you can see that they got the, they're made of like uh, Dade County pine and mahogany and things like that. Because this the, a lot of the houses guys in Key West were built from uh, the lumber that came from wrecked ships. So it's not uncommon to see acacia wood, mahogany, teak, in, in, in weird places like in doors and door frames and uh, studs and things like that made of these really expensive wood. Like in Tampa, you know, teak or mahogany is like 25 to 50 bucks, depending on the quality per board foot. So a two by four in mahogany is like crazy expensive in Tampa. 
But in Key West, it's pretty popular. It's not even nowhere near that that cross down here. So, yeah, it, it gives that the upper unit character too. It does. So, while he was up there, obviously the, the this unit has a sprinkler system. All the units have a sprinkler system to be up to code. They do. So. So uh, do the inspector do like a pressure test or how do they test that? So they leave that to the fire department when that's a good, that's a good point. The it's not, it's not required for a residential property to have a fire suppression system, but for a commercial property, which this is, um, it is a required thing. And it's, you'll be surprised how many properties in Key West do not obey this regulation um, because it's tough to modify a historic building uh, for fire sprinklers because it's an intrusive process. And then those of you yeah. that are part of our telegram chat, um, you can get over there by going to keywestcashflow.com forward slash chat. You can uh, see the videos I shot inside. I shot like, you know, two to five minute little videos walking our investors through each apartment so they could see what I'm talking about. And I remember the one Mike downstairs in the back, that bathroom has a fire sprinkler pipe, kind of gnarly bugger hanging, sticking out of the wall that needs to really be boxed in or tiled in or something to make it look a little sexier. But that's a story for another later in the episode. But yeah, so it's got the fire suppression system. It is required by the city to be inspected annually. So in other words, to maintain your transient license, rental license, you can do the Airbnb gig. You have to have a fire code inspection every year, which means the fire inspector comes in and walks the entire property and any violations have to be corrected pretty much right away. And they have done a, they have an exemplary record because one of the things I do guys is I get in the car and I drive over to the inspector's office and I sit down and go through the inspection records. And we went way back to the days and they used to do it in pencil and <laughs> we've got pass across the board. They've never had any fire code violations at this property, which is good news. And remind me, Mike, before this episode is over with, I want to tell people about the fire we almost had. <laughs> I, didn't even uh-huh. tell you, I didn't even tell you about that. That was like the last thing that happened at the end of the day. But uh, made for a long day it was cocktail hour, happy hour after that. That's so. Yeah, with that we go. Th- they they look at the system. They're looking for obvious things that maybe the fire department overlooks. But the, what, the one thing they are checking for is that the inspection tag that's on it is number one legitimate, and number two that it's w- within a year. It, it's been no more than a year since it's been taken care of. So that's real important stuff, guys. You know, Key West. The buildings in Key West, most of them are historical. Most of them are made of wood. Anything pretty much in Old Town is made of wood, which is really cool because they're, you know, they've been here since the 1800s, early 1900s. So they're pretty darn resilient storms, wind doesn't, nothing bothers them. But one thing that does bother them is fire. So if you can get yourself into an asset that has a fire suppression system, that's a huge bonus. And by the way, boys and girls, that's a $150,000 price tag. That's what it costs to have a fire suppression system installed in a big mansion like what we're getting. It's 150 grand. Well, here's wow. the good news. Yeah, our building already has it installed. So that's one expense that our investors and Mike and I, you don't have, you and I, Mike, don't have to pick up the tab for because the owner was kind enough to install it about a decade ago and uh, we don't have to worry about it. Now, we do have to maintain it. There are sprinkler heads and things like that that have to be looked at. But uh, otherwise, it's pretty much a maintenance-free system. They, they, they'll open it up and they'll purge the water out of it every so once in, once in a while. They'll do pressure tests. The fire department comes and does a pressure test. But outside of that, it's a pretty much a, a passive system. It waits for, you know, the, God forbid one day there's a fire and the sensor picks up that there's a fire. And it's designed to turn it on and put the fire out because, you know, a house that's built in the 1800s or early 1900s made of wood could possibly go up in flames pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, hey, speaking of wood, Tyler, so 
what what I love about the Key West architecture there is, yeah, everything is wood, but every second story has a balcony. So every time you walk out a door, you're confronted with this balcony view of the street, of the neighborhood, the seaport, which you can see to the right. So I'm sure the inspector went through like the support beams, the structure of the balconies or whatnot. They did. So so with that... one of the concerns right out of the gate for me was the stairway that goes up to the second floor, because originally guys, this was a, a mansion for a sea captain. So it's a big house. That's so cool. Yeah, it's that. cool. Isn't it? But, uh, and it, and it does have a balcony, but that balcony boys and girls was entered. You access that balcony from the master's suites and the guest suites upstairs on the second floor. And the old, the original access to the second floor was from inside the, the home. That was when, as they made, when they, back in the forties or fifties, when they converted it to apartments, they removed that staircase from the inside. So they would have more exterior sp- or more interior space rather, and then um, added an exterior staircase off to the left side or the north side of the property. That staircase has been exposed to the elements. Now it's painted and all that, but you know, it's made of wood. And over the years, it's started to deteriorate. It's got some wood rot and some weak members and whatnot. And when you own investment property, boys and girls, safety is number one. The last thing you want is a guest taking a tumble down the stairway or falling off a balcony or some drunken idiot, you know, acting a fool. So you want to make sure, number one, that your exterior is ADA compliant as much as possible if it's historic. And why do I say it that way? Well, historic buildings are not required to be ADA compliant. First of all, so I don't have to have an elevator because it's a historical building and, I, and it conflicts with the um, historical rules. But as a good landlord, I want to make sure that I accommodate as much as I can and I provide a safe environment for our guests. And that comes down to railings and stairways and staircases, eliminating trip hazards, making sure that the railings are secure. And we did find some that are frankly not secure and those are going to be addressed on day one. Before we take any new reservations, we're, we're going to have to replace two railings, some of the banisters and the entire stairway on the north side of the house, we're going to have that rebuilt. So that's that's getting done. Oh. So as the inspector went through it with yourself, and the fact the seller was there was fantastic. You get the, the history of it directly from him. Yes. Were there any like eye-opening uh, moments for the home inspector or yourself going through it? Yeah, there was for me. So in one apartment, the home inspector would walk in and he'd jump up and down to test the strength of the floors. Literally. Yeah, literally. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a much bigger boy than the inspector is. And uh, so I go into, he goes into apartment three and he jumps up and down and he's like, huh? And he's like, come over here and see what you got. And I come over there and jump up and down. I'm like, "Uh Oh, I don't like that sound. It's, it's not that it's creaking guys. It's just that there's, it's flexing too much. In my opinion, it's flexing too much. So I look at Byron. I'm like, well, there's a problem. He's yeah, you got a problem there for sure. We need to get get to the bottom of that. Now, that brings me to an important point. A lot of folks in that situation would freak the hell out and panic. Oh, my God. You're trying to screw me, Mr. Seller. You're ripping me off. Blah, blah, blah. I get go downhill from there. Yeah. Then second guess their entire decision about this house. Right. And then the realtor's a jerk and the seller's a jerk and all the stuff of this unnecessary hoo-ha happens. Instead, guys, take a deep breath, chill the heck out, and bring in your team. Now, for me, I've been around Key West now for a couple of years living here, here and in the Keys, and I've met a lot of contractors, good, bad, and indifferent. And I know that I pay attention to who does the big, heavy jobs. Who does the ugly stuff that scares the crap out of me? 
And I, there are some companies out there that I know generally do the real tough stuff, the stuff that I would not even take on as a real estate investor. It's just too much for me because I, I don't want to even go down that road. So my, You're talking about gutting and stuff, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Where the, these historic homes, sometimes they will go in and literally gut everything but the exterior walls, and they will rebuild everything. Did I take you by that house on Passover Lane? Next door to where you still oh, live. Yeah. They left like three shingles up. That's right. it. <laughs> yeah, man. Some, some two by fours and some shingles and they put everything back together and they make it historical and they do it with pressure treated wood, which got to remember guys in the 1800s and 1900s, pressure treated wood wasn't a thing. Um, so that's relatively a, a new thing. It's been around since the sixties, I guess is what I was told, but um, they'll rebuild a house and it's frankly better than new. If you go buy a builder grade house right now in any other place in the country, they will not use pressure treated wood indoors, but in Key West they will hmm. uh, because it just makes a stronger, better house. It's cost more. You're darn right. It does, but you're not going to rebuild it again. I can tell you that. So, but immediately I'm concerned because for me, if that's a problem, that's a deal breaker. We're not getting into gutting a house. I'm not, I'm too old for that crap. I don't need the drama in my life. I'm about making profit for me and my investors. I'm not a flipper. I don't want to, be a flipper. That's not my gig. So instead of panicking, I reached out to my local conk buddy and I said, Hey Rob, uh, I need that contractor that we know to come over here and get uh, sort this thing out. Now, keep in mind guys, Key West is not excused from the great resignation, which means there is a contractor shortage to end all contractor shortages in Key West, just like there is everywhere else in the country. And it's tough to get someone to show up at all. Here's an example. I had a front porch replaced on the place that I rent uh, four pieces of lumber and about three hours of a handyman's time cost a thousand bucks and took six weeks to get someone to show up and do it. That's no joke. Those of you that are my contractor buddies listening to this show are like, whoa, that's crazy. But anyway, uh, we get going and we, we, my buddy gets on the phone and works the coconut telegraph. And next thing you know, 76, 48 hours later, I got two of the top contractors in town uh, coming over to, to walk the property with me. To, Some connection you got. Yeah, man. I'm telling you, the Coconut Telegraph is a beautiful thing. Uh, we call it the Key West Connection. So the Key West Connection goes into full force. I got the powers that be, the people that make it happen. These are the guys that understand. They, they, are, they know everybody down the building department. They're well-received as ethical contractors. Are they the cheapest ones in town? Hell no. But I don't want the cheapest one in town. That's like hiring a brain surgeon at a discount. Probably not a good plan for you. You don't want to hire a contractor, A, that's dirt cheap because you're going to get the same, you're going to pay to do it twice, which doesn't make it cheap. It makes it twice as much. So we got, uh, his name's Gary. We got uh, Gary's team down there to, to assess the situation, to basically to see my, is this something that I need to trudge forward with, or do I need to pull the plug or do we need to retrade? Right. Cause you guys know, I know some of you apartment guys are like, we never retrade. Well, if you don't and you pledge trudge forward in a deal with your investor's money, I would consider that to be somewhat irresponsible. So if I'm not aware of, if I'm not told in, in advance that there's some sort of an issue and it comes up on an inspection, I'm either going to walk away from the deal or I'm going to negotiate a new price because guess what? The terms have changed. Whoever came up with the idea or the the word, first of all, retrade. Hey, what does that mean? Um, basically means that you renegotiate the deal when you find something. Uh, you, you go in and renegotiate the deal after you've negotiated the deal. Like we say, hey, we're going to give you $2.7 they say, okay, we write a contract and then you find this really bad thing and you go, well, now I got to spend 400,000 where I didn't have to think I was going to spend 400,000. So I want it for 2.3. That's frowned upon in the apartment space. I don't know oh. if that's because syndicators are in it for the uh, acquisition fees or what the hell the deal is, but 
I'm not going to buy a, a bad deal just because I don't want to retrade. I, you know, that doesn't make sense. I will say, hey, guess what, Mr. Seller? I found something that cost me 400 grand to fix, if that was the case, or a million bucks. The, uh, here are the options. I'm either going to back out of the deal and then you're going to start all over again. And now you know about it, so you're ethically required to disclose it. Or um, we can make adjustments to what we agreed upon such that it makes it worthwhile to make me to have me solve the problem. Uh, and in this case, not knowing what's going on, step one, ladies and gentlemen, is to figure out what's going on. So for those of you who've done some rehab, Jeff, if you're listening, um, you got a second floor situation. So can you go punch holes in the ceiling of the first of the unit downstairs? <laughs> Probably not a good plan because it's a fully operating guest house that'll be guests will be checking in in 48 hours. So you're not punching exploratory holes in there. Instead, what you do guys is you calm down a second, you take a deep breath and you bring in some experts and then you talk to the seller and say, Hey, Alex, and you know anything about this, this apartment here, that this, this is not, not good. He says, matter of fact, I do. And here's some photographs. We had it open a couple of years ago. We pulled a permit and closed the permit. So what we have here is some creaking and some flex of the flooring because there's just not thick enough sub subflooring. Like, okay, that's cool. That's the seller's, uh, take on the whole thing, but I, I'm going to do follow through and make sure that's accurate. Not that I don't trust the seller, but I don't trust the seller. <laughs> right. I mean, we got to do that, Mike. I mean, that's like, that's just how we roll. We got to take care of our investors that's in ourselves as well. Cause we have our own money in this deal. So everybody loses if we lose and we're not going to lose because I'm too damn old to lose. With that said, the seller had been there, pulled a permit and had taken care of it a couple of years ago. And it just needs to be, get reworked. And frankly, we're going to probably, we found a, bigger, a much better profit alternative for this deal that will require a little bit more in renovation. So we're going to take care of this situation. Anyway, am I going to adjust the price? I, I don't know yet because A, I want to see the appraisal. B, I've got the contractors giving me a price to sort the situation out. And if it's minor, then we might just take care of it. But if it's major, well, we're going to retrade. So, so Tyler, I know it's a popular question. So you find something, the home inspector says this needs to be repaired within the next, uh, you know, before you close or within the next so many days. Right. So you've, you've got the choice to either keep the price and then the, the seller will hire a contractor to fix it or reduce the price, you close, and then the buyer hires a contractor to fix. So what do you usually recommend? I don't. So first of all, it's a case by case. I don't like the seller to make repairs prior to closing if I'm the buyer or if I'm representing the buyer as, as the broker. And here's why. Uh, the seller, every dollar the seller spends is coming out of their profit. Also, the seller is not going to see any benefit from that repair. So mm. with that said, is it likely they're going to cut corners? I would say it's likely. doesn't mean they're being malicious. They're just being human. Yeah. You know, maybe they're not going to use pressure treated wood. Well, I want pressure treated wood. So the only way to have control over that is to either be present for the inspection for the repair. And number one, always insist that it be done with a permit and a light, if one's available, if that's a, something that's permitted and with a licensed contractor, preferably of your choosing, because there's an implied warranty there. If you're using a contractor that you know, like, and trust, and there's a problem five years from now, you can chew the butt of that contractor and work through that issue. But if you don't know who the contractor is and you have no control over it, maybe it's his nephew doing it, you know, then that could pose a problem, a big problem. Yeah. I'm sure you've seen a lot of sellers like, Oh no, I'll, I'll take care of that. I'll right. take care of that myself. Yeah. Especially yeah. with electrical. Well, hell I'll get, I got that yeah. covered. I just wiped those char marks off that panel last week. I'm like, no, you're not touching the electrical buddy. We're just going to bring our guy in here and take care of that. So as Property owners, when we take over this asset, boys and girls, the investors, Mike and I, 
have a fiduciary responsibility, this is my belief, to provide a clean, safe environment, clean and safe environment for our guests that come in and to anybody that we sell it to in the future, which means we're not going to cut corners when it comes to doing things the right way because that's not how you win in business. Those people usually have a tough time and they get they get punched in the head. Even if we have to wait for contractors. Yeah, even if we have to wait mm. for contractors. Now, we are not going to have to wait for contractors because we have the hookup, but a lot of people do. It, and that comes with building relationships, guys. That comes with going to happy hour with the contractors and asking what can we do to make it easier for them to be successful. They look at you like you have three heads and you ask them that question. But usually I, that's because I'm the only one that ever asked them a question. What about them? Because I actually care about them. Because you know what? If I take good care of my contractors, they're going to take good care of me. That's called human nature. Wow. So you, you literally reached out to them on a personal level beforehand. Correct. So I didn't, in this case, my our our local representative, Rob, has, has an established friendship with these guys. He knows them. Uh, they've known each other for years and years and years. And we can then, because he's on our team, we can leverage that relationship to help us and help our investors. And I know that sounds like a commercial, but that's the reality of things. So when you get into this stuff, you know, we get the contractor over there and, and they look at it. And I had two different contractors look at it and give their opinion. And they looked at the photographs, looked at the thing. They took measurements. They measured inflection, things like that. And they're like, it's not a problem, man. Especially if you're going to put hardwood floors, replace the hardwood floors. When we pull the floors up, we can just take care of this. We'll sister it up. We know the, these houses inside and out. This is not a big deal. Not a big deal at all. We'll just deal with it. We'll take care of it. And you know what? That make gives me a sleep at night. Yeah. So, so Tyler, if, you know, Key West is a small town, but if you are investing in like, God forbid, New York City, right? A big city. Right. And you don't have a connections guy like we do with Rob. How would you recommend getting those contacts with the contractors? Well, the first thing I would do is to ask your friends, find other people that are doing, that are investing locally where you are. Maybe go to a local real estate meeting. Don't take referrals, number one, that are based on, what is that referral company that everybody talks about? BNI? Guys, avoid BNI referrals because people are pressured that work within BNI or that volunteer with BNI to refer each other, even if they suck. I have gotten horrendous referrals from BNI. I mean, horrendous. I stopped taking referral. I ask people now, people, friends of mine that are BNI, I'm like, is this a BNI referral? They say yes. I'm like, okay, we'll try again. Who have you personally used? Who would you trust your daughter with? You know, that type of thing. So you're going to have to get get to know people. If you're going to, if you're the type of person that's, you know, you're an island and you're an introvert and you're not good with talking to people, you might want to rethink your investment strategy. Maybe it makes sense for you, not a commercial fact. Maybe it makes sense for you to invest in a, in a fund or invest in a syndicate like what we're running or with Michael Blank or Rod Khalif or Brad Sumrock or whoever, real estate guys, whoever's doing a syndicate where they're raising money, maybe look at doing one of those where you are leveraging the experience and the relationships that they have. You know, Grant Cardone's got his rock star team. So when you put your money in with Grant Cardone, you're not just getting Grant, you're getting Grant's team. You put your money in with us, you're not just getting Tyler, you're getting Mike and our my, our, our tax people and our legal people and our contractors. And you're getting to leverage all of those relationships that we have worked tirelessly and built down here. You know, that, that's a good point. Kind of a looking glass behind the scenes of what Tyler and I are doing in Key West. Where did we find our SEC attorneys? Where did we find our CPAs? Uh, I'll be honest. We looked at other syndicators who were doing very similar things to us. Those who are successful, those syndicators who we respect. Yep. And then we made contacts with their attorneys and their CPAs and, uh, you know, their IT department. That's right. 
That's right. People like people we mirrored what we're doing was, you know, look, we looked at Grant Cardone's team. We looked at uh, Michael Blank's team. We looked at uh, Brad Sumrock. We looked at the real estate guys. We looked at uh, who else? I'm trying to think. Rod Khalif. Did I say Rod? Because here's the thing. Whether you like him or you don't like him, it doesn't matter. What matters is they're, they're doing, they're doing good things and they're helping good people. And I've been involved in, in, in transactions and relationships with them in the past. So I've met these people. I've gone to like secrets of successful syndication, which by the way, guys, if you're ever want to get into whether you're going to be a syndicator or not, if you want to invest in a syndicate, go to that event. It's not a pitch fest, you're, but you're going to meet a lot of people that are out doing syndications and you're going to see lots of flavors of ice cream, right? You're going to see all, one guy does mobile home parks, the next guy does um, RV parks, the next guy does uh, 10 guys do apartments, and one guy does some sort of Bitcoin, Bitcoin or solar energy or oil or gas. But the thing they all have in common is they're all raising money. They're doing it different ways, and it will help you get a flavor for what works for you, right? Key West doesn't work for everybody. I, some people are like, I don't know, man. It sounds like it's too much fun. I, I don't want to get involved in that, or it's just too expensive. It doesn't make sense. Even though the deal puts out a cash-on-cash cash return that'll make you pucker, it's like, wow, that's amazing. People are nervous. I get it. Heck, I was for, what, 25 years, but I, I know it intimately now, so I'm I'm no longer nervous. It doesn't make me nervous at all. I'm not scared of it. But these are things you got to think about. So the home inspector, um, I assume they're certified in plumbing, electrical, what did they uh, what they say about the electrical aspect of because this is an older home? Obviously, when it was built, it didn't have electricity. Yeah, that's the thing you got to watch out for. Home inspectors are actually not certified in any one of those trades. It's rare to find a building inspector or a home inspector that has any sort of license as a contractor. In our case, Byron does. He's a general contractor, which means he has a, he has competency in electric and plumbing and roofing and all the different systems that go with commercial and residential buildings. But that's not common okay that's that's rare yikes yeah but you don't necessarily need that stuff unless you see something that's out of the norm right so if you're looking at a house that's built in the 80s or the 90s you know co it that's those houses in a lot of cases still uh, they match current code so thing but when you get into a house that's built in the early 1800s or late 1800s or early 1900s you know you're looking for electrical systems for example is there knob and tube wiring that can be a problem. I bet you right now, Mike and Fort Collins, hell, you may even, I doubt your, your place is pretty new, but if you look around those cool looking houses around you in main street, USA, half of them probably have knob and tubes still in the attic. Oh which, yeah. Which is okay. As long as it's not hooked up to live electricity. And frankly, <laughs> you know, if it's been maintained, it could probably last forever, but chances are it hasn't been maintained and it's been disconnected. I lived in a house once in St. Pete where it had knob and tube that actually had electricity running through it. How do I know? Because every time I turned on the light, I got electrocuted. <laughs> so Tyler, if not all home inspectors are certified in plumbing, electricity, whatnot, if, if we didn't have Byron, who was already a contractor, would we bring in an electrician, a plumber after the home inspector? We would. So I would bring in, if I couldn't, a guy like Byron, again, is rare. He's got a contractor's license and whatnot. But if I had to go with a regular home inspector, I have equal qualifications to, I would say, most home inspectors. You know, I'm not a licensed contractor, but I've done more rehab projects with my own two hands than I'm willing to admit. Uh, school of hard knocks, if you will. So that's why I'm always present. Like with my clients, when I'm playing the realtor, I am always at a home inspection. And if you're dealing with a realtor, by the way, that doesn't show up to your home inspection, that's a problem, boys and girls. 
I don't care whether you're commercial or residential. That agent needs to get their butt over there. Uh, quit posing for glamour shots. Get over there and figure out what's going on. Wow. <laughs> That's how you learn. I've, I literally have been through hundreds of home inspections, hundreds, um, a couple dozen commercial building inspections. I can't count how many historical home inspections I've been through. So when you get that type of experience, it doesn't mean, guys, that I'm going to inspect the property myself. So there's a question you didn't ask, right? Am I going to do it myself? Hell no, I'm not, because I might miss something. The benefit of a home inspector, guys, is that they're, they have a checklist and they're very methodical. Do I have a checklist? Yes, I do. But I am not a home, a home inspector, so my checklist is in my head. I'm looking for structural and electrical. Those are my two big things that I'm always looking for. Second tier for me is inf- insect infestation and then the subsequent damage that comes from it. Everything else you can pretty much take care of if you cover, hit those three points, at least in Florida. Um, the rest of the stuff, you know, like when you get in, once you get past structural electrical, then you're, you're in pretty good shape. So uh, electrician, plumber, is there any other trade that you would probably bring in after the fact, after the home inspector, if, if they weren't certified and a contractor like Byron is? If I had a structural problem, or felt that I had some sort of structural integrity issue, I would absolutely bring in a structural engineer, which brings me to a quick story. One of my buildings um, in Tampa, Florida, I, one day I pulled up and I see this chunk of the building, literally like chunk, like the size of my big old head laying on the ground at the corner. And it's all nicely painted. And I was looking for impact marks. I thought some idiot ran in my building with a car, but they couldn't do that because there's a parking curb there and the bushes aren't disturbed, but there's this big chunk of, sea foam green concrete laying in the ground. I'm like, what in the hell is that? Well, first thing I did, because I'm thinking, oh my God, maybe I have a sinkhole and that would suck. I got a structural engineer out there and they did all kinds of poking and prodding and drilling and measuring and stress testing. And they took the chunk of concrete with them to stress test it. And it come to find out that when I had a fence installed five years prior, the fence company put a concrete anchor in and just happened to use a metal uh, insulator when they drove the concrete nail in. And that thing rusted and it spread it expanded because when metal rusts it expands right when rust something rusts and it was just enough to perfectly pop out that corner of the concrete and it was a big chunk i mean it was a good sized chunk but good lord i thought here we go i'm gonna be on five o'clock news bay news nine um there goes my apartment building into the dirt into the the bottom so so jeez when these things happen guys it's easy to say don't panic let me explain to you i was not happy when i saw that chunk of concrete on the ground i'm like oh boy do I need to eva- evacuate people? But you you have these people, you have a list of these people. You find these people and you get them in your Rolodex and you pick up the phone, you call them and say, how quickly can we get you out here? Send them a picture, give them some context so you understand what's going on. So with that, guys, that's really the crux of the whole thing. It's getting the right people around you so that when you have hiccups and, and things, things that you don't understand, things that would make you go, hmm, you know, be transparent. Go talk to the seller if it's listed by a broker, then go talk to the listing broker. Have that conversation. Surround yourself with people that are experts in their craft. Make sure you have a structural engineer uh, in your Rolodex or the way, somebody to reach out to. You know, you, a lot of you have inspection periods in your contracts. You're like, I don't have time to get that person because my inspection period's almost up. It doesn't have to be almost up. Extend the inspection period. Reach out to the broker if there's a broker involved. 
or reach out to the seller if you're direct to the seller and say, hey, you know, I found an issue. They may say, oh, it's no big deal. Well, I need to do my due diligence and then they should respect that. Have the conversation and say, I need another 10 days because it's going to take six days to get Jimmy out here. And then Jimmy's got to make a report and that's going to take Jimmy two days. So I need a 10 day, a 15 day extension. At the end of the day, guys, if you found it, chances are everybody else is going to find it too. So it's in the best seller's best interest to let you do your due diligence. Don't let them think that you're going to back out and panic out of the deal and just work your way through it, right? Just take your time and, and sort stuff out. And with that, Mike, anything you want to add before we wrap up? No, I'm, ex- I'm excited to uh, get Seaport finished up. Sounds like we got the contractors going in. And yeah, thanks, Tyler. How about get off your button and send your money in before this, this deal's over with and you're going to miss out. How about that? <laughs> That's not Mike's style. He's he's more cool and slick. He's the pilot, right? He's the voice of reason in this thing, right? (laughs) So with that guys, you know, things you got to think about all kinds of stuff that can go on, all kinds of things that can go wrong. These things can keep you from doing a deal. But at the end of the day, if you're ever going to cash flow, it starts by getting yourself on the deed to a property, whether you do it with us at keywestcashflow.com or you do it on your own or you do it with somebody else. This is your year, 2022. A lot of good stuff can happen. Lots of amazing things can happen. You can change your financial trajectory for the rest of your life just by simply applying yourself and taking massive action. Massive action starts with getting on my calendar. If you want to get on the phone, go to go to cashflowguys.com and hit that uh, call Tyler button. And otherwise, I will catch up with you next week. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.